श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए हरि नाम प्रभु की जाए कौर भक्तवृंद की जाए कौर प्रेमानंद scripture of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. We left off this morning with some mention of Shastriya, Shraddha, or or faith that is uh, based in, sh- in revelation in scripture and distinguishing that kind of faith and feeling, if you will, from just any other sentiment or a belief. And with regard to Shastra, sometimes we refer to the six Goswamis, of whom Sanatan Goswami is one, as the uh, our Shastra Gurus. It is said by Srinivasacharya, who was amongst the devotees in the next generation down from the six Goswamis of Vrindavan. Nana Shastra Vicharane Kanipano Saddharma Samstapako Lokanam Hitakarano Tribhuvane Manyo Sharanyakaro He wrote what's called uh, Sad Goswami Astakam Eight prayers glorifying the six Goswamis and about them in one verse he said like this that they comprehensively uh, studied the uh, revealed scripture, drawing from that its, its essence and with a motive, a motiveless motive, without any personal motive, but they had a motive. And what was that motive? Lokanam hitakarano tribuane. They wanted to benefit us, the people of the world. It is mentioned by Sutta Goswami in praise of Sukadev, his Siksha Guru in Srimad Bhagavatam, that uh, Karunayaha Purana Guhyam. He spoke, Sukadev, this Purana, the secret Purana, the secrets of this Purana, of this uh, in Srimad Bhagavatam. He revealed the secrets of this. Karunayaha, this was his motive. No motive means out of compassion, not in because he needed anything, but out of, uh, out, of the, out of a need to give, to share the wealth that he himself had, had um, inherited. So similarly with the Gosamis, they studied the scriptures and they compiled scriptures. We call them Bhakti Shastra. And um, therefore they are sometimes referred to as our Shastra Gurus. And among them, in Gaur-lila, Sanatana Goswami was the leader. We find Rupa Goswami offering his respects to him in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, considering uh, as a guru to himself and so forth. Of course, we'll also find that Sanatana offers regard to him in Brihad Bhagavatamrita as well. But he was the elder 
of the two, Rupa Sanatana, and their nephew was Shijiva Goswami, and the others, Raghunath Bhatta, Raghunath Das, and Gopal Bhatta Goswami. They hailed from different parts of India, both from the north and from the south, and from the west, I guess, to either the east of India, Bengal, Raghunathas from Bengal, Gopal Bhattu Goswami from the south, and Raghunath Bhatt from the north India, Banaras, perhaps, at least he was raised there, if not born there. And Rupa themselves, their family came from South India, but they were uh, took birth in in Bengal, along with Jiva Goswami, in a place called Ramkeli. And Ramkeli is also known as Gupta Vrindavan, means like hidden Vrindavan, and largely because of what they did there. Sanatana Goswami was a great uh, scholar of the Bhagavatam at a young age. Even in his childhood, he, before he received a copy of the Bhagavatam, books in those days were not as readily available as they are today. I don't think the printing press was invented even in, in Europe at that time. Or was it? I don't know. But anyway, they didn't have mass printings and desktop publishing. <clears throat> so to get a book it was not so common. And he had a dream in his youth that the Brahman came and gave him the Bhagavatam. The next morning the dream came true and the Brahman came to his house and gave him a copy of the Bhagavatam. So he began to study this very carefully. He became absorbed in that. And so there in Ramkeli they, they constructed if you will, a kind of Vrindavan. They made a ghat and, and called it Radhakund. Another one is, uh, is, is Shamkund and the Giri Govardhan hill and so forth. And that's where they, they taught us that there's a place that corresponds with the consciousness of Srimad Bhagavatam. And it's not a, as much a physical place, but it's a place of consciousness. We go there by consciousness. This will come up later in our discussion as well. But to go to a holy place in material consciousness is not is not to go there. Yatirta buddhi salidena karichet janeshu abhigneshu saiva gokara It is common to go to a holy place to take a bath, but you could take a bath anywhere. <laughs> but you cannot bathe in the association of great saints in your bathtub. But in holy places you can. So they are to be taken advantage of. Their association, that is the bath. And if we don't take advantage of that and make our thereby our consciousness one with theirs to some extent, then we haven't really gone there. We haven't really visited there. We might as well, Bhagavatam says, be a cow or an ass, just go for bathing and not get anything from it. So anyway, they created a Vrindavan there. They were living in the pages of, of Srimad Bhagavatam. And it was there also that they met with uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu performing its pastimes and he took the renounced order of life 
and they were hearing about these things and they were, his activities, which were revolutionary, and they were attracted to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They wrote him. Actually, they wanted to join with him. Their situation was, however, uh, like ours to some extent. There were impediments. Impediments. Things were in the way to going there. We find this in the life of groups in Alta. We, uh, to some extent, Jiva Goswami. We find it in the life of Raghunath Das Goswami also. So, that's to help us, to encourage us, and to see how they dealt with the impediments. And we should draw something from that. Not that we will do exactly as they did, but draw inspiration from them. It is said that uh, necessity is the mother of invention, so if there's a will, there's a way. They found a way. The particular uh, predicament that Rupa Sanatana found themselves in is that, that not through any choice of their own, really, they had become government ministers. That in itself is very extraordinary. Who becomes the member of parliament without wanting to? <laughs> without any desire to become a member of parliament or a president whatsoever. But the people just draft them and bring them, make them, something like that. Or the president makes them members of the cabinet without their ever aspiring or asking or being at the least bit interested in that. This was their position. See, uh, at that time, Bengal was ruled by a class of moguls who I believe themselves had been suppressed and they rose to power and took over. And they were as ruthless as their predecessors, <laughs> which is often the case. But at any rate, the Nawab Hussein Saad, as he was, as he's referred to, kind of the, the governor of Bengal, he, the story goes something like he was building something, maybe a mosque or something like that, and then there was some defect, and the fellow who was doing the work said, well, what, what can be done? You know, No one's perfect, and so he had, him, had, his, had his head cut off, and he was enraged, because these fellows would build mosques, but not so much with a view to glorify Allah, but with a view to glorify themselves. I built a better mosque than that guy did, this kind of thing. So it's important for us to note that it's, it's, it's the consciousness in which we do the thing that's important, rather than the thing itself. We call it Krishna consciousness. So what could be more overtly spiritual than building a temple? Yet it was a completely mundane activity, practically, because of his consciousness. A temple for Allah, for God, but with a view to be seen as more spiritual, more religious than governor in the next, next state, something like that, for personal adoration. Building a temple for one's own personal adoration. It's supposed to be just the opposite. So anyway, he had his head cut off, and then he was so angry, <laughs> he said something like, um, bring them to me, something like that. And the other fellow who was there, he didn't know what the guy wanted. He just thought, I'd better get out of here and just pretend I'm going to find it, because I might have my head cut off too. And so he left. And, and um, then in Ram Kaley, he was kind of 
hiding and he met these two brothers, Rup Sanatan, and he told them the story. And so the brothers asked, what was his mood? The Nawab, when he said that, the circumstances were explaining what was his face, how, what was his, how did he, what were his facial movements, what was his body language, and so forth. <coughs> they tried to help this man understand what the Nawab Hussain wanted, so that he wouldn't have his own head cut off, and so that he could return you know, to his own place. And so, by drawing from him these answers, they could understand what the Nawab wanted, and so they said he wants to expert like chiselers, something like that, two of them. And so then the fellow provided them. Something like this, the story goes. I'm paraphrasing it. And so then the Nawab Hussein got what he wanted, and he knew that he hadn't said what he wanted. So he was surprised and thought that his minister was rather astute. Hmm? And he said, how did you know what I wanted? He said, well, I met these two young, young fellows. They were young men only like the age of some of you young men and women here in the audience, very young. And he said, I met these two, and they asked me these questions that they could understand. So the Nawab said, I want them. I want to meet them. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> they were very, very qualified people, deep, deep people. And at a young age, not yet even 30 years old, they became like members of parliament assistance to the Nawab Hussain Saw. He, he, he was the ruler, so he insisted, and he gave them salaries and so forth. And uh, in the absence of Nawab, when he would go out to other places to conquer and whatnot, and hunt and, and all as he would do, then the Sanatana Goswami was in charge of the whole kingdom. And so he had to deal with people and pacify and uh, be appropriately diplomatic and and uh, and whatnot, and uh, he had to speak different languages and so forth. Uh, he was highly um, qualified, highly educated, and, and young, only in his 20s. But when he heard about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then he wanted to give all that up. Really, he didn't have much interest in it to begin with, as, I, as I'm explaining to you. He was absorbing himself and studying the Bhagavatam and creating a replica of Vrindavan in the place where he lived. You could see his preoccupation. But the Nawab took him from there and placed him in the, in the uh, political arena and so forth. And of course he learned things from that, practical experience and so forth, for dealing with others and, and whatnot. He got further education and so forth. And, but again, when they heard about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who was only 24, four years old himself, the joy of Nadia, a boy who had everything going for him. I mean, everyone in Nadia was in love with him, either directly or indirectly. And the common people and learned people were all in love with him for reasons of their own, and the Vaishnavas were indirectly in, in love with him. They, they were mad at him for not being a Vaishnav, but Indirectly, they wanted him to be a Vaishnava. Well, directly, they wanted him to be, but they didn't show directly their love. They showed disdain for him. Uh, they preached to him, you're wasting your time with your scholarship and so forth. And, but they would say to themselves, if only Nimai Pandit would become a Vaishnava, then what power we would have to spread the Dharma of Kali Yuga and so forth. And of course, 
in the course of his Leela he did so, manifested his life as a devotee and uh, endeared himself that much more to the hearts of all the Vaishnavas and all the people. But he gave up all those happy times and happy place, even his hometown. Everyone loves their home, hometown to some extent. <laughs> he gave that up again, like the Goswamis, for the people, for us. He took sannyas and hearing about this, these Goswamis, they became so attractive. This uh, vairagya, renunciation, is an opulence. It attracts people. What the person must have, we will think, who has given up everything that others are chasing after. What wealth, what inner depth, and so forth. So hearing about Mahaprabhu's renunciation, he had become now Sri Krishna Chaitanya and was roaming the countryside, converting people just by his singing, his dancing, his, his falling into a trance. He had gone to Puri. He had conquered Puri, which was unconquerable by outside forces, fortified as it was by the Raj Prataparudra, powerful king. He conquered the king's heart. He conquered the, the mind and intelligence, the, the, the logic of Bhattacharya Sarvabhoma, which was extraordinary. Made him like a, like a child, appeared to become a frivolous, frivolous person. This very stout and sober, Sarvabhoma. These things were huge events in the, in the countryside. The news of that rippling across the, the land came to Rupsanath, and they were so they were so attracted to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They wrote him a letter. They wanted to join with him. And he wrote them back and told them, just stay where you are. And this is like political kind of consideration on the one hand, that they were working for the uh, Nawab Hussein Sahib. He wasn't a real gentle fellow, so they had to be careful. Mahaprabhu advised him, stay where you are, just like a young married lady will stay with her husband, and perform your duties very expertly, just like a married young lady will perform her duties very expertly if she's in love with someone else so that her husband won't become suspicious. Of course, if he's really astute, then he would become auspicious because it is said, what? Ati bhakti bhakshan chora. <laughs> Too much devotion is a sign of a, of a thief. So especially this applies to bhakti because bhakti is not cheap. So who shows so much devotion will be a little suspect. Is, is it real hmm? or is it just a show? At any rate, he advised them like this. So the point was that you stay where you are and don't let the ruler become suspicious of you, of your activities, of your faith in me. And in time, then, this obstacle will be overcome. So Mahaprabhu advised him, be a little patient. So you should all be a little patient. And learn to carry on in your situation, as I said last night, as a, out of habit. And within, let the, your passion for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Krishna Bhakti grow. And opportunities will come for you to express it and further nourish it and so forth, like these gatherings. So at any rate, they were advised like this. And then when Mahaprabhu attempted to go to Vrindavan from Puri, he went through Bengal and he was stopped 
from going at Ram Kaili. It was predicted that he would, by one devotee, he wouldn't go any further. He was stopped there. And that Nawab Hussain saw was there, and Mahaprabhu was a mendicant, but he was a Hindu, and it was causing a commotion. He had returned to Bengal. This is a hometown boy, goes away and becomes famous. He was already famous at home, but now he left home and is becoming famous all over India. In fact, he converted the king of Jagannath Puri to his 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 religion of madness. And, and the Sarvabhauma, who had previously been from, from Navadweep himself. So these were huge events, as I say. And when he, so when he returned to Navadweep, the people just went mad. And wherever he went, they followed him. And so he was on his way to Vrindavan, and millions of people were, were prepared to follow him all the way to Vrindavan on foot, without thinking of how long the distance would be, what we will eat along the way, where we will sleep, or anything like this. This we had that kind of Pied Piper kind of magic. Of, they could draw their, their enthusiasm and uh, and the following. So he got to Ramkeli, and this was you know, a bit of a commotion in Bengal. So, Rup Sanatan, they, they spoke with the Nawab Hussain Sah and others also, and they pacified him to some extent. And he was convinced for the time being that he was a god, this Chaitanya, or at least a saint, and best not to interfere with him. But the brothers Rup Sanatan, although the, the Nawab Hussain Sah was pacified, they knew he couldn't be trusted. He was pacified for the time being, but this man could change at any time. So they went in the night, secretly, and they met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu first, personally. And in the Bengali style, they put a, like a straw between their teeth and a sign of humility and pay their respect to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he embraced them and considered them like his eternal associates. He gave them names, Rupa and Sanatan, at that time. And then Sanatana advised him that better not to go to Vrindavan with a crowd. Better to go quietly. Could be a problem along the way from the political point of view. And secondly, go to Vrindavan. We should go humbly. Something like that. Not with so many people glorifying us and so forth. And he gave this kind of advice. And they were competent people to advise Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is Krishna himself, trying to understand the, the, the mood of Vrindavan Bhakti that Sri Radha is, is possessed of. So they gave him good advice, he followed that advice, and desisted from going at that time. Later he went, and quietly, and practically on his own, one or two assistants accompanying him, through the Jari Kanda and so forth, and news of this came, and Rupa Goswami and his other brother, Balabale, left Bengal to join Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, followed going to Vrindavan and Sanatan, remained at home. So they made some kind of plan, some kind of strategy. But when the Nawab Hussein came back, and his principal minister, Sanatan, was there, but he wasn't showing up for work on the plea of being ill, he sent a doctor, and the doctor said, he's not ill, he's... He's reading the Srimad Bhagavatam. <laughs> this is a kind of illness. It is bhavoshadi. It is a, it's a kind of a medicine. 
He didn't have any material desire. He, he took this elixir, medicine of Sriman Bhagavatam. It's capable of eradicating material desire in your heart and so forth. Powerful. He was attracted to that. He couldn't give it up. Anyway, the king became angry with him and then he incarcerated him and then he had to find his own way out. And then he bribed the jailer and he escaped and he walked across India dressed like a fakir, like a Muslim mendicant. And uh, they met uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who at that time had gone to Vrindavan and was returning the other way. On his return, he met Rupa Goswami at Prayag and instructed him for about ten days. And then he came to Banaras, the house of Tapan Mishra, where Tapan and Chandrasekhar was there. Raghunath Bhatta, the son of Tapan Misha, was there. He met Sanatana Goswami there. Sanatana came and he found the place of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he sat outside the door and um, didn't feel himself fit to go in. But Mahaprabhu, through his omniscience, could understand that he was present and he asked Chandrasekhar, open the door, there's a great devotee outside. He opened, he said, there's no devotee here. That's just this Muslim fellow. And uh, Mahaprabhu said, no, bring him in. And he came in, and Mahaprabhu came and embraced him at that time. And uh, told him to shave his head and bathe and so forth and come back. And then he instructed for maybe a couple months there in Benares, Sanatana Goswami, and all of the teachings of Krishna Bhakti. So there he got the personal instruction from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Rupa Goswami got the personal instruction on tattva, and Mahaprabhu instructed Sanatana Goswami on basically three things. Krishna Surup, Aishwarya Madhurya Bhakti, and Rasasvashrai tattva. About the nature of Krishna, about two kinds of bhakti, bhakti with Aishwarya, and bhakti with madhurya, with sweetness. About vaidhi bhakti, about rag bhakti, and about rasa tattva. And then the extra thing he did was, at Sanatana Prabhu's request, speak about this uh, explanation of the verse, Atmarama verse from Srimad Bhagavatam, his explanation of which converted Sarvabhuma Bhattacharya. And because it was a wonderful explanation, Sanatana wanted to hear it himself, being a scholar. And of course, Mahaprabhu said, I said something in madness at that time. I don't know what came through me, but I'll try to say something at this time about the verse again, if you like. And he gave so many other explanations. So, this way Sanatana Goswami was personally instructed, and Rupa Goswami was personally instructed by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And these are the leaders of the six Goswamis, and they are the most important of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's associates for us. Because because they were personally instructed, because they led lives as sadhakas, and by their example taught us how to engage in sadhana bhakti. And because having been instructed, and then in the context of that instruction, that shiksha, they were instructed to write books they wrote. 
the four things Mahaprabhu advised Sanatana Goswami to do. Write Bhakti Shastra. And of all the writings, this Brihad Bhagavatamrita is the first book that he wrote and the first Shastra of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. We sometimes consider Chaitanya Charitamrita the most important scripture for the for the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. But there in that book, the author, Krishna Kaviraj Goswami, says that Sanatan Tanana Painu Bhagavatar Sambandha that I got the Sambandha Tattva from Sanatana Goswami. And then about Rupa Goswami says uh, in, in the next line, and I got uh, all the truth about Ras Tattva and, and Bhakti Abhide from Rupa Goswami. So these are very important uh, uh, charges for us. Mahaprabhu told Sanatana, write books on Bhakti Shastra, four things. Uh, teach the proper behavior for Vaishnavas, how they should dress, what they should eat, what direction they should lie their head when sleeping, and all these things like you find in Hari Bhakti Vilas. So you see how how much they are integrated into our lives, especially this Sanatana Goswami. Write the books, teach Vaishnav behavior, establish the worship of the deity of Radha and Krishna, and what is the fourth thing? And excavate the places of Krishna's pastimes in Vrindavan. They did all these things. And, in, and all of them in no small way. Kings were coming to Vrindavan and, and it was thought that you were nobody, even if you were a king, if you didn't have a temple in Vrindavan for Radha and Krishna. And this kind of enthusiasm for this this became the thing to do amongst the elite because of the work of Rupa Sanatana Goswami in, in Vrindavan. And again, in a big way, they established the proper conduct, modes of ritualistic worship and so forth for all the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. They established wonderful temples, standard of deity worship, and they wrote books, so many books. And of those books, as I said, as I began, there are Shastra Gurus, the original Gaudiya texts of them, this Brihad Bhagavatamrita, that is the first. So, the seminal Gaudiya Vaishnav Shastra, Prabhupada said in one place in his Chaitanya Charitamrita commentary that one cannot become Krishna conscious without studying Brihad Bhagavatamrita. So, he's laid appropriate emphasis on this. And to their credit, some of his disciples have published a beautiful edition in English, published by the Bhaktivedanta Book Trust. I'm sure he would be proud of them. So it's from that edition we're going to discuss, and it's a long book. The history of that will be given as we continue our discussions over the next few days. But um, aside from the book itself, Sanatana Goswami has written a commentary, and uh, his commentary basically is Digdarshini means like to show the direction. So it's just a general kind of commentary. To, the book is a narrative, so it kind of helps direct us like on the road, like road signs. Think of it like this. Think of it like this. This is what's happening here. So that we get some, some idea how, what to draw from the story that's important. This is his uh, kind of commentary he made. So a great contribution 
and such a, a, a great person, an, an accomplishment, as I've been explaining, both materially he was desirable in an uncommon way, and uh, spiritually is very fit. And how, but how did he think of himself? We find that when he approached Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to ask some questions, and he was, as I'm explaining, a very, very learned person. What did he say? He showed the standard of spiritual inquiry. He said, Nija jati nija sangi patita adham. He said, I'm nobody, I'm nothing. He said, even people think that I'm somebody, and sometimes I believe them, which really shows that I'm nobody, nothing. And why, what is my conclusion, that I'm nobody? Because in reality, I don't know who I am. Keami, he said. Kene, jartapatrai. Who am I? Why do I have to suffer uh, from the threefold miseries of material existence when I don't want to? I don't have the answers to these things. So what is the value of whatever else I may have? Wealth, learning, education, popularity, and so forth. This is really smart conclusion. This is really true intelligence and wisdom. So with great uh, humility and earnestness he inquired from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And it's said that just as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave Ramananda Roy the Shakti to answer his own questions, so he gave Sanatana Goswami the Shakti, the power, to ask him questions that he would give the answers to. So he shows us something very important at the onset here, um, and that is that it takes power to ask good questions. And speak of give the, give the good answers. So it takes some power. You have to be properly uh, situated in the right disposition and so forth to ask in such a way that it will compel a qualified speaker to reveal his or her heart. So he showed this kind of example. It's uh, extolled, that is, the virtues of asking good questions throughout Srimad Bhagavatam. When the sages would hear or Sukadeva would hear a good question, or when Sutta Goswami would hear from the sages a good question, or when Sukadeva would hear a good question from Parikshit would before addressing the question, they would praise the questioning. Oh, such a good opportunity you've, you've given me to speak and so forth. So we should learn the art of this. With humility, yes, but also if you study the scripture, then you'll have good questions to ask. Instead of, Maharaj, how can I become Krishna conscious? <laughs> how can I become humble? Well, I can try to come up with an answer, but... We're giving the whole process for that. You apply yourself, and a good part of that is to take advantage of this literary uh, legacy left to us. This is, again, the point where we left off this morning. Our faith, our shraddha, should be shastriya shraddha, faith in in revelation. It means basically faith that, that I can't know comprehensively on my own. I cannot arrive at perfect knowledge by imperfect means. So I have to have a perfect means. That means if God chooses to make himself known on his own terms, then he's knowable. That is the whole idea of revelation. So I'll accept that. 
and a good and substantial body of revelation is the, the scripture. And when I hear and study the scripture, I have to use my intelligence so logic, reasoning is not suspended in this hearing process. No, we're caused by its descent to exercise our, the full measure of our reasoning. That we call Shastriyukti. To reason in such a way as to draw the deeper meaning of the Shastra, understand what it means, how it applies in a circumstance, and so forth. This is, will fully tax your intelligence. So submissive hearing, as it's called sometimes, is not meant to make you stupid and tell you that you can't think and make you afraid to ask questions and so forth. And proper answers to submissive inquiry don't, for the most part, involve, you know, you shouldn't ask that question or something like that. Be submissive or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> no. As I say, it's, it's meant for taxing our, our intelligence. We should engage our body, our minds as well in Krishna's service. So don't shy away from this. Everyone's not a scholar, but everyone has intelligence, and they use it to understand and figure things out and so forth. So now we have a nice book to help us. What is it called? A little book about bhakti or something like that. All right? Help us understand so many terms and so forth. You should take advantage of that. This is the language these people spoke. Like I wrote in my endorsement of the book, the language is Bengali and Sanskrit. And they're not necessarily spiritual unto themselves, but these are the languages that great people in our lineage use to express their feelings, their realizations, their, their penetration and transcendence. And so they're, pa they're empowered. The word, the terms that they came up with and so forth, and the way they, they use them it has great power. So if you can add them to your vocabulary, it will give you power just by saying them. And the same thing holds with various verses and so forth. You can learn the verse that they have great power in them. There's bhava, ecstasy, behind them, the choice of words and so forth. So, like anything, I mean, if you want to get to know somebody, then you have to know what they're like and the way they use words and, and so on and so forth. So this is a good exercise in getting to know people like Sanatana Goswami. I mean, we just talked a little bit. Don't you want to know that person? Wouldn't you like to meet him? We hear a little thing about him. We think, wow, this is what he must have been like. And it's just a shame that there's so, so little uh, information, but enough to entice us to, to want to... So find out what, what he wrote, how he wrote about it, what did he say. This is like myself, you know, you want to know me then. Uh, I like to say, read my books. I put so much of myself into those books. You can find me there. Probably used to say the same thing, something like that, right? That his purports were his emotional ecstasies and so forth. What an opportunity to know, to get acquainted with the emotional ecstasies of such a person. This is the idea. So it's not like some dry study, boring, learning terms that, you know, what application do they have to my, practically to my life, and so forth. They have huge application to your life. And what thought went into this? I mean, under the command of Chaitanya Dev, they collected from all diverse, the diverse body of revealed scripture. I mean, what they must, how they poured over these things to draw out the books that they did that they put together. It's a, I mean, a huge effort. I mean, anybody that, and some of us here are involved in publishing, know what it's like to publish 
any book. <laughs> it's just a huge effort. What to speak of this kind of book hmm, that would explain what the ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is. They could see, they could, they could understand who Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was. So he gave them the task to explain it. I'll give you some tips. Spoke to him a little bit. And they were only like, when Sanatana Goswami came to Vrindavan, he was only like 30 years old. He lived to be 70, so you figure, you know, some 40 years he spent after meeting Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, 40-some years producing these, these kind of books. That was his main contribution. And in spare time, chanting, walking around the Govardhan Hill, and so forth, and walking to Jagannath Puri he did once. He met Mahaprabhu in Ramkeli, then again at, at Banaris where he was instructed, then again in Puri he met him. We note that Rupa, Sanatana, and Goswami, they didn't spend a lot of personal time with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, like Surup Damodar, Nityananda Prabhu, Garadhar, and so forth, who were all just dancing in ecstasy with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and falling on the ground with him and picking him up. And, and so they were at a distance, and this is what they were doing. They needed to be in a quiet place. They couldn't be in the middle of the festival. They couldn't go to the festivals, Mahaprabhu said. You can't go to the festival. You write books. You see? This is the basis of the whole festival. Without this, there's no festival. It's just the sentiment. That's all. Just the sentiment. So let our sentiment be grounded and let it arise out of the Shastra, our faith, our being. We are our faith. Mahaprabhu told Sanatana, who when he came to Jagannath Puri, he passed through the Jarikanda forest and he had drunken some water. It was impure and he got some kind of disease and it caused open sores to appear on his body. When he came to Puri for the darshan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, what did he think? Previously, when Mahaprabhu met me in Banaras, he embraced me, just out of affection for me. And now, look at the condition of my body. If he embraces me, then my body is so offensive, I don't want to put him in that position where he might embrace me. And so he thought he would commit suicide by throwing himself under the car of uh, Lord Jagannath during the Rathiyatra. But Mahaprabhu intervened out of his omniscience. He stopped him. He said, you know, that body of yours belongs to me. He embraced that body. All the sores went away. He said, I have many things I want to do through you. He told him, at the time of Diksha, initiation, you should understand, you get a spiritual body. Your body becomes spiritual. In one sense, it means that, the, that this Diksha comes with faith, with Shraddha. And what does the Gita say? Shraddha mayo ayam purusha. A person is his faith. So that faith is aprakrita. It's, it's transcendental, that faith. It's not mundane, because it comes from above. It comes through sukriti, agyata sukriti, gyata sukriti. It appears then above the ground as faith. And it's coming from up to down. Devotees are creating that. Devotees who are moving within the parameters of what bhakti is, as outlined in the Shastra, and expressing themselves wonderfully within those parameters. And so their faith comes to us. We get that faith. We are our faith. In one sense it means this. The time of initiation, you get a spiritual body. Body is our ego, our consciousness. We, we talked about this earlier today. Consciousness is everything, right? One guy was building the temple for his own self-aggrandizement. That's not, you know, <laughs> service to God. 
although ostensibly he, he seems to be doing service to God, building a temple. So we are our, our consciousness, our thoughts, our ego. So this e- serving ego is coming. So you get, it means you're getting a spiritual body. At least in this sense. And you know, over time, too, you take enough prasadam, then all the whole body will become spiritual. Daivim prakriti mashrita. It means moving under this internal energy of, of God. The extent that we adhere to it, what we embrace the idea of the initiation, then it, it comes to consume our ourself. Like this practically Kamalaksha is, is living all year long just to put on these festivals, waiting for them to happen. This is his life. Becoming consumed by that. This is our heritage, these kinds of people. Snapan Goswami, Rupa Goswami. So much time they invested in these books. We cannot imagine what it takes to produce a book like this. We just write a commentary on it. And it's just like very, you know, you don't even want to think about it. It's so consuming what it, what it would involve. So we should take that up. We should study that. Take a little time, learn the terms. Think of it like this. As I say, it's not just some dry logic. It's getting to know the hearts of these people. Get close to them. This is very important. You have to feel like you identify with these six Goswamis, with Rupa Sanatana. They are Shastra Gurus. I'm your Guru also, but some of you, all of you, in some capacity. We have so many Gurus. These are important Gurus, Shastra Gurus. It is said that the secret is something like this. Sometimes people don't want to have just one Guru because they think they'll be limited. So they never surrender to any one guru and take initiation. They just take here and there. And they never get any guru. But the secret is if you accept one guru, real guru, then you get so many gurus because then you become actually connected to this whole guru parampara and they will take notice of you. All so many previous gurus overseeing us then, all that backing. And we should become acquainted with them also. We call ourselves Bhaktivinoda Paribar. How much we identify with Bhaktivinoda. And then the way, the side of Bhaktivinoda, the inner truth of Bhaktivinoda is, is drawn by Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. And further back and so forth, up to these Gosamis. We, we, this is our family. This is our, Paribar means family. It's our family. This is just like you, you, you like to get your family tree and find out where your grandfather was from Sweden and your uncle was from here and this one and that one and he was the original fellow who founded the town somewhere everybody's got so this is our family tree and this is the, like some information about them that what they did that they left these books behind for us there's a uh, they wrote so many books there's a one place right I think near the Samadhi is it or Bhajan Kutir of Sanatana Goswami is called the Samadhi Grantha. And it's said to be a, a Samadhi, a tomb of, of scriptures that were put in there because they were too high for people to read or something like that, that the Goswamis wrote. Only a few that, that there was determined were, would be appropriate and helpful for conditioned souls or something like that are available, these few. And some of them were fortunate, some of them coming in the language that we speak, we get a little closer so take advantage of this. This is very important. And everyone doesn't have to be a scholar, that's another thing, but we should be familiar with these these texts, the books that your guru has written, the books that previous gurus have written and so forth. 
this will help you very much to become grounded in your thinking that you just can't go. It's like if you listen to me enough, it's the same thing. You just it's difficult. You just make, I'll make it too difficult for you to deviate to, you know, to do something else. It's just too well reasoned and too honest and <laughs> and, uh, and and truthful and so forth. So you just get cornered, so to speak. But it's friendly at the same time, and you can know, you can feel. If you read the book, you feel it's in your interest. It's not against your interest, like a good parent. So Sanatana Goswami, of, of all of our gurus, he's the original one. And this is the original book he wrote. And Brihad Bhagavatamrita is the basis of all the other books, actually, of Rupa Goswami, uh, Sanatana's other books, the books of the other other Goswamis, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Utmanimani, these important books, they're all the essence of them, the basis for them, the seed for them is found found here. Again, Krishna Kaviraj, he wrote that Chaitanya Charitamrita, and he just attributes his, it's all based on the teachings of Rupa Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, Jiva Goswami. So these are very important people. We should feel a connection with them. I want you to become Gaudiya Vaishnav people. Really Gaudiya Vaishnav. Have love for these previous acharyas. Identify with them as uh, more than with your own material family and friends and countrymen and so forth. This is what I wanted to say before we begin to discuss the book. And it happens that we're having this discussion here for a week or so, and it will culminate on the day just before the Purnim, the full moon in the month of July, which happens to be the Guru Purnim. It's a famous day amongst the Hindus, a, a full moon for the Guru. And it happens, so happens that on that day, Sanatana Goswami disappeared from the world in Vrindavan. He left the world. So we celebrate the disappearance of Sanatana Goswami on the day of the Guru Purnim. So after we're completed this whole discussion, then that day will come. I wanted to prepare you for it. That you could have something to think worth thinking about on on that day and try to draw from him some some kripa, some mercy, so that you can make progress in, in Krishna consciousness. It's said that Sanatana Goswami lived in, in Vrindavan and that naturally he endeared himself to all of the people. Even the people who weren't serious practitioners of Vaishnavism and so forth, they saw him as like a father or a grandfather. He would give advice on even uh, how to resolve common disputes and so forth amongst the people. Everybody loved him. And it was a custom that if your father died, then everybody in the family would shave their head. So you can see how they thought of Sanatana Goswami. He's sometimes called Munda Baba, which means shaved Baba. He always used to keep a shaved head. And Therefore, the shaved heads, you see. We are all the followers of Sanatana Goswami. That's where it comes from, in one sense. So, when he left the world, everybody in the whole of the Braj Mandal shaved their head, man, woman, and child. It means, in a way, they thought of him like their father. This is Vishwam Vena Guru Seva. He draw this, drew this from the people naturally, like affectionate regard. Rupa Goswami tells us that we should take shelter of a guru, Guru Padashraya. We should take initiation from the guru. 
we should get shiksha, instructions from the Guru, and we should serve the Guru faithfully. Faithfully, with, with great faith, and it also means affectionately. Like you would, in olden days anyway, like you would love your father and, and obediently and affectionately serve serve him. Something like that. <laughs> so all the people had this kind of feeling for Sanatana Goswami. Imagine what an extraordinary person he was. And so much wealth he left for us. So you try to take advantage of it. That's my request of all of you. Do you have any questions? Yes. Guru Maharaj, you said that all the associates of Lord Chaitanya Rupa and Sanatana Sanatana are the most important because they lived the life of sadhakas. And we were reading Sridhar Maharaj the other day how he he very strongly emphasized that one should always see the Guru as Nityasiddha. And we were discussing this because some of us felt that that sometimes it can be even more inspiring to think of the Guru as, as a sadhaka who has achieved perfection because then we can kind of easier, more easily identify with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One way to harmonize that, and I think this is the emphasis of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur also, is that the Guru Tattva, that is a particular Tattva of Krishna, so it means that no one other than Krishna himself is coming to us through the, f- the form of the Guru. So, therefore, should be regarded as Krishna Nitya Siddha. Certainly, he's not a member of this world, gone there or something like that. He comes here from there and acts like us, but he's Nitya Siddha. So, in this sense, one should have full regard for the Guru. But if, at the same time, that regard is not compromised, by the way, in which you explained it sometimes may be inspiring to think of, then no harm. And Sridhar Maharaj made that kind of comment while at the same time making many comments to us that made it clear that he thought of himself as a sadhaka and he was the guru of many, and he would tell of his progress and and so forth and so on. Thakur Bhakti Vinod also, you know, he wrote a letter, kind of an overview of his life, quite a long letter, describing different stages he went through, how he came to Bhakti and so forth. Still, Bhakti Siddhanta thought of him as a great eternally liberated soul. So it was a, kind of an emphasis of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, but I think it has to be thought of in this sense, as I'm mentioning, that Manifestation of Guru means a particular manifestation of Krishna. We call it like Guru Tattva, coming from Krishna. So Krishna is fully there for us, locally. So it should be regarded fully. At the same time, yes, many Gurus, we are told by them themselves that they are sadhakas, or even lineage considers them as sadhana, siddhas. Even Narada is sometimes considered as a sadhana, siddha. Certainly we don't have less regard for, for Narada. Once Prabhupada said sadhana siddha, nitya siddha, the big word here is siddha, whether sadhana, nitya, it's really not a, much of an issue, is it? But the life of Narada is told in Srimad Bhagavatam. He was a Gandharva singing in heaven. The Sankirtan party came 
not a very sophisticated musical arrangement, and he made some fun of it. So he had to fall from Gandharvaloka and become the son of a, who didn't know his own father. And then he met some devotees who stayed at his mother's house during the rainy season. He heard from them about bhakti. He took up the life of bhakti. Krishna appeared to him. He got liberated and so forth. The whole story is given to help teach sadhakas. Prahlad also. So, point anyway is, is to have, we should always have high regard for the guru. Otherwise then, guru avagya, we won't be able to take advantage. Does that help? What else? Another question. Yes, Kishangi. I was thinking when you mentioned that we don't have that much information about Rupan Sanatanga Swami's personal information, that what about mm, their like, appearance in Krishna Leela? I think I remember from our mm-hmm. book that they were monjuries, but do we know more about them there? Well, not too much has been written about then what's written about is what it's really about, is their consciousness, the consciousness of such attendance of Radha and so forth. And so many details of that have been written by Rupa Goswami in a book called Ujbal Nilamani with many examples. That they experience this, they experience that, and this is an example of it, and they give the example and so forth. He gives the example. It's a very interesting uh, book for those who are qualified, who are coming in that bhava, that ecstasy, then to understand what's happening to them and to cultivate it. The book is written for that purpose. It's not for you yet. But this is also an interesting point. It's the, the details of the leela and so forth, they're really kind of sparse in, in general. Because what's being emphasized in the texts is the consciousness that but is the basis of that and how to get that consciousness. And then you have your own details and, and so forth, your own page, so to speak, in the Leela. And what can you say? There are so many Leelas and they're unlimited and they're continuing to expand and, and they have no beginning at the same time. And so the important thing is to, is to develop that kind of consciousness and you become a member of that world. That's what's emphasized in the Bhagavatam, that's what's emphasized too. And in Ujbal Nilmani, particularly this, and other books too, but in that book, Rupa Goswami goes into some detail. Another question? Yes. Uh, could you uh, uh, say something about difference between spiritual and material emotion? The difference between spiritual and material emotions, there's a big difference, there's a world of difference. This world is about material emotions, and the spiritual world is based on spiritual emotions. Material emotions are, are arising in our, in our mind based on input from the senses. And they tend to make us act in ways that aren't always reasonable. So we have to kind of quiet them with a voice of reason so that we may not act inappropriately. Just follow our feelings of what life is based on input from the senses, because that's not what it is. Even materially speaking, it's not always what it is. We can get in trouble. So 
just as to conduct yourself in the world appropriately, you have to become familiar with certain laws and parents have to teach you proper behavior and so forth. That's all about curbing feelings. You may feel like this, but don't do that here. Go over there and do that. See, your parents have to teach you that. So even materially speaking, we learn that these emotions and feelings have their place and they should be ruled over by something else in order for us to be civilized, right? So then if you want to go beyond just material civilization and a reason-ruled life that gives room for feelings at different times and places and, and so forth, to a world of just feelings where you can move according to feeling and it's not a problem, then this is what bhakti sadhana is about. And the, the, the rules, if there are any, this is the shastra. So we, we learn the scripture, we learn the parameters of what is Krishna consciousness. And then the feelings are arise out of that and are expressed within that, that context. That's the idea. So, and I think you can appreciate that in the need, in a, in a way, there's a need to, to transcend our material emotions to become supralogical. Supralogical, not just materially logical and sensible, but supralogical, with faith in, in scripture and so forth. And then we, of course, we, we do have feelings, so the scripture teaches us how to apply our feelings, material as they may be, even in relation to bhakti. To try to, it's, it's an emotive path. It allows you to express your emotions, but now in relation to to uh, spiritual objects, Krishna, Krishna Nam, Scripture, Krishna's devotees, and so forth. Well, that's the beginning. And then, as we, as the mind becomes peaceful, still, and consumed even by by bhava, then spiritual emotions will come out. Sometimes we feel a little. Some tear may come to the eye. And chanting the holy name, and the material world just will just appear empty. That's a good sign. Does that help? So there's a whole world of difference between material and spiritual emotions, and the, one of the biggest, most uh, unbecoming things is to mistake spiritual emotions for material emotions. Therefore, persons like Srup Damodar took great care to screen anything that came, any glorification, any sentiment, any feeling that was written and offered to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he would screen it to see if it was actually based on scripture. It, was, it conformed, fell within the parameters of what is spiritual, rasa tattva. If it wasn't, then he would not let it be seen by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It would become a disturbance to him. Therefore, statements like Padma Purana statement are quoted by Rupa Goswami and they, they're important for us to know. It said, Shruti Smriti Puranadi Pancharatiki Bidimbina Oikantiki Harayar Bhakti Utpat Daiva Kalpate. Do you know the meaning? Who knows the meaning? Raise your hand. Rigor knows the meaning. He's a pundit. It means that which is exactly what we're talking about. Sentiments that appear like bhakti but they actually are not in concert with the scripture. 
they're very unbecoming. They're not beautiful at all. They become a disturbance to those who are actually on the path of bhakti. And we have experience of this. Practically, we have experience. And some people glorify Prabhupada. And in the name of glorifying Prabhupada, they're criticizing, say, Sridhar Maharaj. So, it may sound like glorification, but if you look carefully at it, we find it's, it's, it's actually offensive. So this is a sentiment. It looks like bhakti. But if we look at the Siddhanta, we see it's not bhakti. And it becomes a disturbance to those who are actually devotees. So it's very unbecoming. It's better you didn't say anything at all. <laughs> that would have been better. So therefore, what? The importance of knowing the scripture. And if we don't know the scripture and we just try, we can't, but then, then what do we do? Attach yourself to somebody who does. And ask them first before speaking. <laughs> Before doing anything, you know, this is this is the idea. Okay, so we gather again at four, and then we'll begin the discussion of the text itself. Sri Sanatana Goswami Prabhu Ki Jai, Gaurabhakta Bhindaki Jai, Gaurabhakta Bhindaki Jai.